Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Jackie Sanders, who is an abstract artist based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Her work explores the layering and manipulation of organic and geometric forms as a way to transform life's mundane moments into memorable experiences. She is the co-host of the Art Studio Insights podcast and the co-founder of the Level Up Artist Community. And I've known Jackie for about seven months now. She lives in the area and uh, really excited about her journey, where she's come from and where she's going. Tremendously talented individual. And I think you'll hear a lot of her insights and how she's actually got to the point where she is today um, based on a lot of the structure and a lot of the intention behind her work. So excited to jump in the interview. Without further ado, my chat today with Jackie Sanders. Jackie Sanders. Hello. Welcome. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. Cheers to your, to your first podcast interview ever. Ever. And this is the first, I think, in almost a year in-person podcast. Yeah, thank you for do. having me. It's an honor. No, this is awesome. <laughs> um, well, I'm just really... I, obviously, we've known each other for, what, seven months now or whatever, so I Probably. feel like obviously I know you more than, than most guests I have on, but I've just been impressed with what you've accomplished, because um, you are younger than me. <laughs> Calling me out already. Yeah, 10 years younger, so <laughs> I, I just, it's really cool what you've accomplished and kind of that journey you've been on and, and what you've shared with me, so I want to get into that a little bit. I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of guests out there. Um, why don't you do this just to level set? Give the, you're riding the elevator down with someone, they're like, oh, Jackie, what do you do? What's what's your answer? The elevator pitch. So, yeah, I have an art studio in downtown Raleigh for Jay Sanders Studio. I make abstract geometric artwork and art products. I've had my studio forward-facing to the community for about a year now, which has been amazing. And that's really where I'm pushing forward, as you've been saying, trying to just connect with as many artists as possible and share my art with the world. Well, one of the things, you know, we connected initially because you were going to start a podcast, which you've already started. And, yes. And, what, and, and remind me, you're doing it. What's your co-host name? Adriana. Adriana. So you and Adriana have been doing this now. And obviously, we'll talk about the membership programs and stuff. But so it's just really cool kind of, you know. You, you've taken you know insight whether I share with you or other people, and then you actually created action because that's a, I think that's a big thing I look a lot when I when I work with a lot of folks and talk with them about getting started, and I know I went through this a ton. Yeah, is you can say you want to make a change, but then the commitment to make the change. Mm-hmm. Um, Those are very different things. Yeah, so I tell you what, let's just start. You know how I go tangents. <laughs> let's just start on that. Talk about the commitment to make the change. And we can talk about what you're currently doing now with podcasting, with the membership program, or you can even take us back because one of the things I'm actually um, curious about, I don't even think I know, is the commitment to decide to do art. Yeah. Now, I know you're, you're, you have a full-time job and, and you're kind of doing stuff on the side, but 
um, that commitment to say, this is the path I want to go down because you could have took an alternative path. So I'll let you take it where you want on that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it's probably easiest to go way back and then work towards where we are today. So yeah, I feel like I had a very unique background when it came to art. A lot of the times the classic question or situation is you're in high school, you have an interest in art. Maybe you tell your parents, I want to be an art major. And the first question they ask you is, how are you going to get a job with that? That's not practical. That's unrealistic, which I was very, very fortunate to almost have the complete opposite experience. I actually initially wanted to do architecture. My parents own their own architecture firm. And so I thought was, oh, well, I'm good at math. I like being creative. That's kind of a hybrid. I'll pursue that, take over the family business. And my dad was really the one who pushed me and saying like, I don't think that's necessarily your calling. You are really conceptual and are really talented with your art in the larger business. You should pursue art. So they almost convinced me into becoming an art major, which is definitely the opposite narrative than most people. Um, so and going what, and just to pause you there, why did why did, have you asked them about that? Like, why did they decide to push you away from quote unquote the family business? I think. My, my dad came from, his dad also owned a family business, and so I think he understood. He didn't ever want me to feel pressured to go into it, because that's a unique dynamic. Um, also, I was graduating high school in 2011, so right after the economy crashed. So him being a small business, I'm sure he was also still feeling the effects of that. As a high schooler, they don't share as much business-wise, but... I'm sure there was also an apprehension of, okay, if you're taking over your own business, being somewhat protective of me in that regard of all of the pressures that come with that and being responsible for other people's livelihoods. So I'm sure they were also going through the thick of it from a business standpoint, trying to steer me in a course that they felt was more stable or in my own direction. And that was into the art world. Yeah. So Well, and they set you up. I mean... It, you know, we talk about support systems a lot, and, you know, I definitely, it, it seems like they set you up for some success, at least, to, to allow you to, because I remember you telling me about, um, like, your childhood bedroom, you had the closet. Where, yeah. Like, can you maybe share that, maybe share some of the, the ways that your parents helped set you up to maybe on this new path. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, I feel like there was never a doubt in my mind that pursuing art as a career was a possibility. Um, and so even growing up, I had this idea of looking at my room and of course being the child of architects, I was always just very aware of space and how you use space and brainstorming. Okay, how can we lay out our den differently to be what we want it to be? Make a wrestling pit in the corner with the couches or same thing with my bedroom. So my thought was, I just wear the same clothes all the time. I'm like in middle school. I wear the same 20 outfits. Why do I have a whole closet worth of clothes I don't even use? And so I essentially pitched this idea to my parents of saying, hey, can I turn my closet into my art studio? My mom was always getting mad at me for having like all of my art supplies all over the dining room table and leaving things everywhere. So that way I could just have one space that was my studio. And so they said, okay, we can do it, but you have to prove to us what you'll need to do it and that it will work. So essentially my parents sat me down and showed, okay, here's graph paper. One square is one foot. I got a tape measure. They said, once you can prove to us that it will work, 
and you give us a shopping list of what you'll need, then we can make it happen. So that was really that encouragement that I needed that not initially saying, oh, that would be too much work. We don't want to insert excuses here. It was really, yeah, if you can prove it and you can imagine it and make us a practical list of action items that we need to do, Mm. we'll make it happen, which I think that kind of support in hindsight was super, super helpful and definitely affects my creative process today too. Do you remember when you knew you were good at art? I feel like that probably ties to a feeling that I still have that I never actually feel like I'm good, which might be bad to admit, but I feel like that's why I feel like I have to work so hard is that I always have that fear that, or that idea that other people are better or I constantly need to become better. I never really settle on, oh yeah, like I've made it check. Um, I've definitely had points of validation, um, both from, I had an amazing high school art program, and so taking AP courses during that time. And I think for me, it was never really about feeling like my end product work was good. It was more so that the process of making artwork was very fulfilling, and I felt like I was doing what I was meant to be doing. And then the end product is what it's going to be and is always ever-evolving. Well, did you like have that, you know, we all go through this and, and I guess I don't remember it just because I wasn't really good at much um, growing up, but that kind of like, yeah, am I good at this? Or yes, I'm really good. And then you kind of get knocked off the pedestal and then you kind of go back. So did you ever deal with any confidence issues or? I think, yeah. I mean, I, growing up, I was never really, I was always creative, but I think that was never really an identity that I had because I was always an athlete. So I was always playing basketball year round, playing volleyball. And so I was known as a basketball player. Um, and so playing AAU, going in tournaments all over the country. So that was really my identity. But I think my senior year of high school was really where that pivot happened, um, where I really had to acknowledge to myself and then also to other people that long term, I wanted art to be a priority. It was different than just taking the basic classes in high school or making like really good photo collages with your friends and really saying, no, this is what I want to pursue. Because it was really junior year, everyone was going to start their college applications, you start thinking long term. And in sports, I was never the star athlete. I was never that like, give me the ball at the buzzer kind of player. And I was okay with that. I was always that player that was given the unsung hero award, which is essentially the award for you have a really good attitude, good team chemistry, and you work hard. You might not be the best player, but you help the team gel together, which I honestly found that as like a really good badge of honor because I knew, again, I didn't want to play in college. I didn't want to like go pro but I knew that work ethic that I was learning, I could apply to whatever I wanted. So my senior year, I actually quit basketball, which kind of ruffled some feathers just with like friends and family of, oh, it's your senior year. Don't you want to have your senior game? And I'm like, why am I going to waste time at practice every single day and do these games for one senior game when my thought was, okay, what if I put all of that time in training, lifting, watching tapes, put that same effort and structure to my art, Mm -hmm. 
then what could happen? And I think that was really that first time that I trusted my gut and really applied that work ethic that was enforced in me with athletics into my art and was really that foundation of how I still work today, to be honest. Yeah, it, it, I mean, Jack, it's like, it just kind of, the the wherewithal to think about that at your age or, or when you're in high school, because like I said, I was just a kind of a dumb high school kid, I never thought about anything <laughs> like that, of actually like, hey, I'm going to focus on this, so I'm going to stop doing the other things. I kind of had that mentality of probably like, oh, I can just do it all, like, yeah. you know. Um, so you kind of feel, you know, I, I like that approach there, and obviously, considering where you're at today, it was probably a good decision, you know, maybe to go that route. Yeah. Um, how do you, well, I guess before I go down another path, let me stick on that for a second, because I want to talk about going to college, mm-hmm. and now you're doing it, so it wasn't just kind of a hobby, you're focused on a little bit in high school and doing other stuff, now it's like, this is what you went to college for. Yeah. Can you just share a little bit about, and, I, and the reason I'm trying to prompt this is folks that are getting started, they're, they're maybe younger, they're looking at college, or looking at making decisions around the actual next steps of where they want to go in life. What are some things that you did in college maybe to set you up knowing what the next step you wanted to be? Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing for me is like, so when I first went in, then I was like, okay, I'll do be an art major. So you could either do studio art, which is more fine art, and then, or graphic design. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, graphic design's a lot more practical. But in our foundations class, we had to do a graphic design course, and I absolutely hated it. And so it was like one semester, I hated it. I was not very good at it. And so really learning to trust your gut and realizing, yes, you might not like a professor or a certain course or classmates, but is the work that you're doing in that, if it's truly reflective of the industry you want to go in, how do you feel about that work? Because if that's the industry you're looking for, a lot, I know a lot of people, they spend four years, by the end of it, they actually hate the work and they go into an industry that they don't like. And so really being able to trust your gut and how you feel um, when doing those projects, but then also just making the most of every opportunity that you have as a college student. Um, so I went to Virginia Tech, which I absolutely loved, um, but really recognizing in addition to just my classes, I wanted to experience as much of the art world as I could as a student, because I feel like being a student is kind of your golden ticket into most doors, both on campus and off campus of, oh, I'm a student. I was wondering if you could like sit down and have coffee with me to talk about the industry or to talk about your museum and really wanting to get experience in a big museum. So I did an internship at the Smithsonian in a little gallery. So I did an internship that had only three people in it, working at an art center on town, running a student art gallery with a few friends of mine and just literally making up all of the processes and procedures as we went because it's student run. You can do whatever you want. So you're doing marketing and financing and all of that. So really wanting to just get as much experience in as many different areas as possible, even if I think I would absolutely hate it, just because I'd rather have one semester where I didn't like it versus getting into an industry and then you feel pigeonholed in an industry that you don't like. Again, I'll go back to maybe it's support systems, maybe something else. Where did... Again, maybe I was just (laughs) like an idiot. I don't know, but like, again, I don't remember thinking like that. Like, I remember thinking... 
you know, okay, I'm, I'm in college. I'm going to be a golf professional. Like, all right, let's just go practice for four hours a day and just play golf because I love playing golf. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about, even on the internships, like I go back and some of my internships, I had some really awesome internships, but I wasn't, this is one thing I, I want to call a regret, but like, I wasn't thoughtful about, okay, I want to go, like, I want to be a, a teaching professional, teach golf for a living. Yeah. If you're going to teach golf for a living, I should have went to like the Jim McLean Golf Academy or the Golf mm. Academy out of Pebble Beach or some of these top ranked areas and went and did an internship because I, I went to the best you know, golf management college in the country, a Methodist. Yeah. I had the doors open for me to be able to do that, but I didn't have the wherewithal to think, oh, let me do this because it's going to propel me here. Yeah. Um, so I guess where did that, um, I guess, forward thinking come from that, hey, this is going to set me up? Do you, do you just think that was something just random? Or like, do you remember, <laughs> like, it was that conversations with your parents or other mentors you had to do this? Like, where, where did you learn that? Um, I think a couple of different places. Um, I definitely, from my parents, I mean, being small business owners, and my dad is the architect in the business, so he has definitely the creative mind and thinking of projects and deadlines and all that. But then my mom worked in sales prior to working at Sanders Designs, the architecture firm. So when she came into the company, really bringing that networking sales business finance mind to a creative industry and so having both of them as constant influences was super helpful um but one of my um freshman year professors actually and I think this had a lot to do with it was talking about okay imagine where you want to be at the end of college like okay you're 18 your first semester you're so excited everything's intimidating but already letting us think where do you want to be when you leave and started looking up job applications, like going on LinkedIn, going on Indeed, if it was around then, I don't know if it was, but look at job applications and then basically saying, okay, you have four years to reverse engineer all of that experience that you need. So if you wanna be a curator at an art museum, what experience are they looking for? Are they looking for writing samples? Are they looking for photos of exhibitions that you've curated before or like what are those things and that way you can select courses based on that do extracurriculars or internships based on that and I think especially with athletics I mean that mindset of constantly being in practice or watching tapes or what is the strategy of the game that you can constantly be learning to keep getting ahead and that mindset of Okay, if you're not working to get ahead, then you're falling behind, which is definitely an attitude I've had to fight post-college, which I think from a health balance standpoint, that's not always the healthiest mindset to have of having that urgency of you need to be doing more and need to be doing more. But it definitely has its benefits when done in a healthy way. (laughs) Well, go deeper into that share what's been the positives of that but also where where have you found that's been a negative impact for you yeah I think definitely my use of I mean time management and being able to think about time blocks throughout my day and throughout my week it is very similar to athletics I mean okay you have lifting sessions and you have let's say cardio hit training and then actual practice and then on my AAU basketball team we would in between those like lifting and practice, we would sit and have lunch and watch tapes from the tournament the weekend before. So it was constant go, go, go. And that was at 11, 12 years old. And I didn't know anything differently. 
which looking back was very intense, but I just loved every second of it. And it instilled in that, okay, even if it's not out with the ball in your hand training, how can you be training your mind? How can you be sharpening your skills? Um, And so I definitely apply that to my art business now, whether it's thinking about a new product or thinking about the podcast or our membership that we just launched, but that can easily lead to burnout very quickly because you don't actually give yourself time to shut down and turn off, which is not great. (laughs) Is that what you're learning then? Are you trying to find more time to turn off or step away or Um, different than maybe a couple of years ago? Yeah, I think I definitely, as most people do, kind of learn the effects of burnout the hard way. Um, And I wish it could be, oh, take a few days off and then you're ready to go. It was one of those burnouts of right after college, I didn't make a single piece of artwork for like three years. Um, So just focused in on my day job, didn't really think about art or pursuing it. it was just kind of okay, go to your day job, come home, sleep, rinse, repeat, just kind of going through the motions of life. Um, But really starting to listen to podcasts, starting to listen to audiobooks. And so really thinking about, like you were saying earlier, of how you talked about me taking action on a lot of things, which I really appreciate that. Um, That's kind of funny to hear because I felt like I was almost in that period of feeling stuck for so long it was like constant constant podcast constantly learning constantly learning strategies but I wasn't taking action on anything and that was almost for like three four years and so essentially January of last year in 2020 um I basically said okay I'm gonna commit to my art business just one drawing a day I'm not gonna do any crazy big goals or I'm not going to do anything big, just one drawing. And by making it something sustainable, I found that I could take action on that and get momentum. And that's, I feel like what really kicked off being able to take action on things because it wasn't a burnout worthy task. It was just one single drawing. But what happened from, you know, so if you're, well, let's go into that. If you're talking two, three years though, mm-hmm doing, and I won't say nothing, because you're obviously <laughs> learning, adapting, whatever, but you're also right. working your full-time job and kind of getting in the cadence of that. Yep. Like, what happened to click? Something had a change to say, you know what, I'm going to start doing the drawing a day. Yeah. I'm just going to commit to that. Like, how did you go from nothing to saying, I need to change yeah. to committing to make the change? Honestly, I think it has to do with a man that we are both fond of, Tim Ferriss. Um, I discovered his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, in, I believe it was August. Yep, you got a copy right there. Um, so I had been reading personal development books a good bit, but it was kind of one of those, okay, let's see how many I can read in a row. And again, you're just consuming, consuming, consuming. But I loved his book, 4-Hour Workweek, because... With each section, he also had action items and questions. And so when I started it, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this seriously because I was just kind of feeling down in where I was in my life then. And my day job was great, but I just felt like I was, wasn't growing and wasn't being challenged. 
Um, so and, it wasn't great then. I mean, it was great in terms of like it's a small business, yes, and yeah, I was well, being creative. But you weren't personally happy with right where you wanted to be. You wanted to be somewhere different, right? Exactly, and it was one that I felt like was a really hard thing to admit to myself because that's another thing in academia that they really don't talk about. It's like the goal is to get a job after you graduate, to get a job, get a job, and especially within a creative field, there's almost this, and maybe this is just a. Uh, negative mindset of mine talking of like you should just be grateful you have a job where you can be creative where you can use some layout design you get to use industrial machinery and so almost like who are you to want more than this like you should just be grateful stay in your lane do the rinse repeat day to day other people have it worse off don't even think about more um and so when I read four hour work week it really just clicked there's an exercise in the beginning of it where they basically say, write down your absolute worst case scenario of like very broad general, okay, in your life, what would be the worst case scenario? And really writing down, okay, I'm in a position in life where I feel stuck. I don't feel like I'm being challenged. I'm not pursuing a larger goal. And the more I started listing these things out, there was that realization of, I'm living that worst case scenario right now. I have so many things to be grateful for, Mm -hmm. but from like a fulfillment standpoint, what do I have to lose? Because worst case scenario, I'm where I am. So that was kind of that click of what will I lose by just going for being a full-time artist and pursuing my art. Mm -hmm. But I was so far removed from that process that I didn't really know where to start. So that's kind of where the one-a-day drawings, okay, I know I can do this. And then that's just where the momentum builds. And what did you do from there? So one-a-day, did you have the goal? I mean, you know, we're, we're what is that, 18 months past that. Mm-hmm. You're in art space. Yeah. Um, you have a membership community. You have a podcast. You've sold a lot of art. You're <laughs> in, you're in a... Um, what is it called? An exhibition. You're yeah. another one coming this fall. So you got a lot of stuff that's happening. I sound very impressive when you talk about it. <laughs> no, that's my job. <laughs> Make me look good. Yes, look good. Um, but no, you, yeah. I mean, you've obviously done a lot in a, what would be considered a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So I guess, did you, and there's no right answer to this. Did you have that goal? Did you write down those goals? Did you kind of have these visions or did it kind of just slowly start to work out and one thing rolled in the next and the next thing rolled into the next and and then here we are um kind of both I think there's one of those if anyone is pursuing more there's either a podcast or a book or like the classic first step is like sit down and write your 10-year goals or your five-year goals or like in your dream life what do you want to happen and so all of these things that I'm currently doing and working on were on that bigger very one day vision. Um, but the one a day drawing really helped with that momentum of, okay, doing one drawing, let's say for a month. And then, oh, I really like the way this works out. What would that happen if I kept exploring it? So some of the drawings turned into larger pieces. Oh, I made five to six larger pieces. I wonder if I could get them on display somewhere. Cause that was my one other goal of last year is to have one piece of artwork on display somewhere in Raleigh. It could be a gallery, it could be a coffee shop. And so in February, I had 
a collection on display at a local coffee shop. So I'm like, oh, well, I already hit that goal for the year. What if those three year down the line goals that I set aren't that far off? So that was on my three-year goal was to apply and get a studio at ArtSpace. And I moved in there in July. And then the podcast honestly wasn't even really on my radar until Adriana and I started talking about it. And we had a community-facing, both had community-facing studios and we're feeling a lot of the same questions from visiting artists about our work or the creative process or just being an entrepreneur artist. And so it kind of planted that seed. And then of course, reaching out to local podcasters like yourself and listening to your episodes and really getting inspired about like, just get started and like, just do it, learn as you go. And I think that's really the mindset I've had with a lot of things I've tackled. It's not necessarily having a lot of experience in it, but more so the confidence that I'll be able to figure it out and I can only figure it out by taking action on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the taking action thing, I think, has been a theme for you, at least in recent years, because one thing I've been impressed, again, I've, you know, I've been fortunate, been around a lot of, well, you know, we can define the word success. Um, you know, I think of success as living a happy and fulfilled life. It's not so much about wealth and money and stuff, but some people do think success is that way. But anyways, <laughs> nonetheless... Whatever you want to consider success, I, I've been fortunate to have a lot of good conversations with those type of folks. And your work ethic has been something that's been really impressive that, not that I haven't seen with other folks, but for someone of your age and where you've kind of come from. So I guess where does that, where is that dry? And, and again, I'm going to a point, here's where I'm getting to, is there was those three-year gap. Yeah. Where quote unquote you didn't really do anything right you're right. just kind of going you're you're living the normal this is what society wants to put you in this yeah. box so how did the work ethic maybe you had it when you were younger but how did that kick into gear because you work your tail off on a lot of thank stuff you. you do yeah. I mean you do thank you I appreciate it um I think it's really that underlying fear of not be reaching my full potential um and really there was one quote that I heard essentially what I mean I'm going to paraphrase it but basically like the worst crime that you can commit to yourself is never realizing the person that you can become um and really that fear of like wanting to truly what happens if I truly just go for it um I mean I'm 28 have some big goals ahead of me that I'm still really pushing for but I just have always had an urgency, for better or for worse, of why wait? Let's just do it right now. And I remember how terrible I felt when I did feel so stuck and almost running away from that feeling of ever wanting to feel that again. I would so much rather run towards something full speed. And even if I'm not quote unquote successful at it, there's always a silver lining lesson that you can learn. And I think that's one thing I learned with all of my different jobs and experiences in college of, okay, I had this internship. I absolutely hated it, but at least I learned that I don't like that or I can have more empathy for people that are in that position. And there's always a silver lining that you can learn from any experience. And so really wanting to just run full force at every idea or dream that I have because... 
you don't know how much time you have, as as cliche as it sounds. So like, you don't. Yeah, this could be a three year goal, but what if it was a one year goal? Or what if, and that just leaves more time to accomplish more things. Well, I think it's to the the point of you can set a three year goal. I was talking actually, it's so funny. I was talking with my my good friend Doug, who started a business a couple years ago, got funded through Y Combinator. They're doing really well. And we nice. had coffee this morning actually, and we were talking about this as like. You put a goal out there, but who's saying that's relevant? Right. Like, who's saying that goal three years to to what you were just saying is like, you have no history of ever being on that path. Right. It's just something you've put out there. So why can't you accomplish it in a, you know, why can't you do it quicker? Right. And I I think that's super telling too um, with, I do that exercise a lot with people in our membership and also just like friends like one three and five year goals and I think perfectly to your point it's almost those five year goals or the three year goals almost curious if that's almost more a coping mechanism for ourselves of okay we feel like we're not ready to get to that three year so we're not going to put it one year out we'll put it three year as like a safety net yeah put it way out there get right like just one day one day because then you're not held accountable for it you're held accountable for your one month goals or six month goals, but okay, if that's five years, I don't have to worry about that yet. And you right. use that as a safety net, but then if you keep pushing that goal out, yeah. Then well, and, that, and that's why I don't even like, I think we've talked about this before. Like I don't like goals out that far because I mean, I look at where I was five years ago. Oh man. I'm a completely different human being. Oh yeah. So how can I know in five years where I'm going to be? Yeah. At all? So why would I, yes, I guess you can make some assumptions and say, all right, that's a, you know, whatever. That's why I'm so big on staying in the present. Let me make some short term. Let me, let me do some goals for today for in the next week in the next month or two or mm-hmm. next year. And let's let kind of, you know, fate, if you will, if you want to call it that, take its course and see what happens. You know? Yeah. And I definitely think from a practicality standpoint, you're correct in terms of one year out is probably about the max that you actually have legitimate control over um obviously if you have a super super big goal that okay you have to meet xyz qualifications to get there um i'm thinking from the art world standpoint okay if i want to have a solo exhibition at the north carolina museum of art in 10 years unless there's some crazy fluke highlight on an emerging artist exhibition this year that's not going to happen and they plan their exhibitions three years out anyway so okay, I have to get a solo exhibition somewhere and maybe slowly gear up the size of that. But really, like you were saying, you really can't plan what you even you're going to be interested in three years from now. Hmm. I mean, yeah, five years ago, if they were to say, oh, you're going to have a podcast and you have over 200 episodes and you interview people on a regular basis, they'd be like, oh, that sounds cool. Or like, no, you're crazy. Yep. How would I have time for that X, Y, Z excuse or reason why you maybe weren't taking action on it? Yeah. No, that's it. Oh, that's it. So I, I, but, you know, that's one of those things of going back to kind of the work ethic is just mm-hmm. you understand kind of what's out in front of you. You can kind of see the, you can kind of see, you know, I like to say it's kind of like the fogs out there. Like we can kind of see the road a little bit. There's some fog out there. I don't know mm-hmm. what's past it, but at least I know if I keep going down that path, I'm going to have a chance to uncover that. Versus right. staying still, stagnant, not doing it, not getting started, 
you never get to realize that potential. Right, exactly. And I think especially from my art business standpoint, I recognize I am in a super fortunate position in the fact that I do have a day job that I absolutely love. I work for a great company and um, I do digital marketing. So it is still related to the art business, but by having that, it gives me more freedom to without like unapologetically run towards any art goals that I have because I'm not currently at the point where I am relying on that as my income. Like when all is said and done, I do have a day job that can pay for basic bills. Obviously the art business is very helpful, but I'm not hundred percent relying on that. And I think that's a very different situation for some people too. Like if that changes the decisions that you make. What was the reason to decide to keep the day? Because this is one thing, you know, the, the struggle folks go to is like, oh, do I just quit my job and do whatever? Right. Venture? But yeah, if you have, you know, the opportunity to kind of work nights and weekends and, and structure your schedule, was that part of the decision? What were some of the reasons you decided to keep the, the day job? Um, it was definitely a conscious decision. I definitely wanted to, um, I'm in a different day job now than when I first graduated college. So Working from home, I absolutely love. So I can work from the studio. If I have meetings with collectors during lunchtime, it doesn't inhibit that too much. Um, And yeah, the biggest thing is really knowing that I could truly structure my art business for the long haul and not need that immediate payoff month to month to make rent or to pay bills. But really, I could structure my business and lay the foundation and give it the time that it needs to be what I want it to be long-term. How do you think about, because when I think of art, you know, I know almost nothing. I mean, literally. <laughs> I, Give I, yourself a little credit. No, I, there's not much. I don't really know a lot about art. I'm not that good. My brother got all the, the creative artistic genes in the family. <laughs> so how do you, because you have a very unique style, I could be totally wrong. Maybe everyone knows what you do, but I think you have a very unique style. Thank you. Um, and, and I like it. It's really good with the shadows and those type of things. But mm-hmm. how do you stay focused versus all the noise that happens? Mm-hmm. You know, people telling you like, well, this is kind of popular now or you should try to do this. Like, how do you stay focused? on like, no, this is the type of art I do and what I like to do. I think... With that, it really is the community that you have around yourself. Um, So that's one reason Adriana and I really wanted to start our membership. So her and I met at an art critique in the fall of 2019. And so we just hit it off right away. It was my first time going to this art critique. Everyone brings a piece and you just talk about the work. If it's a work in progress, you can ask for advice. And her and I just hit it off right away in terms of art ideas, business ideas, goals, And so we have had this amazing partnership that I am super, super thankful for and really wanting to other artists to feel that too, because that makes all the difference. I mean, I definitely attribute a lot of that getting started fire to her as well, because we had that accountability for each other and touching base with what your goals were. So really being able to shut out the noise from the random person that comes in your studio and says, oh, you really need to do anime. I saw this character and they're taking off and my friend's buddy worked on the film and he's making millions now. You need to get in on that. 
Where if I was just starting... Did that really happen? You'd Something be surprised like oh. how many stories that we have. We get a lot of very opinionated people in there, which is great. And I love people giving feedback. Yeah. But you have to have that confidence to accept the feedback process. Okay, do I want to take action on this? And if not, just let that be their opinion and move on. Um, people always have great intentions, but it art is that weird industry where it's almost like everyone feels like they can give you opinions on how to do your job, essentially. I mean, I'm not an engineer, so I'm not going to go tell an engineer how they should build a bridge. I have no idea. Mm. But art, because it is universally consumed and everyone's opinions and interpretations of pieces, you bring your own experiences. It's tough then juggling that with the creative process itself. Um, so really having that community backbone to filter ideas off of and reinstate that confidence of, no, like this is your style or this is what you find fulfilling and moving forward. Yeah. And, there is a lot of noise out there. Well, and, and, and kind of speaking about that direction and, and focus, right, um, breaking through that noise, obviously you talked about the last 18 months and this kind of slow progression now with what you do, and I, and I mentioned before, is you have this membership program. Obviously, you're doing the podcast, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, and the membership program, what was the decision to say, all right, I'm going to take this from just me creating art to actually expanding it to help other folks not only create their art, but get their art out there? Yeah, so I think really for me, it's always been something that's on my mind of sharing and building a community of some sorts because coming from academia I mean you're in your own little bubble you're have your cohort of classmates and you're all taking the same classes and you have um, different experiences but you have that community and then after you graduate no matter what your degree is you're kind of thrown into the world out of your safety bubble and you don't have that community to rely on and so especially in the art world Uh, I felt like there was a big disconnect between what you learn going to school for art, especially a fine art, where you really focus on techniques and art history and um, making your actual pieces versus the business side of the art world. That's something that's really not talked about. I even got a minor in business leadership and my master's, and it still was not really something that I felt prepared for, which is kind of what brought on that lull of a few years of just head down learning, listening to other people. So um, when Adriana and I started talking, we really wanted to create a membership where we could just share forward all of the information that we've learned on our journey and other people have shared with us because, and basically creating that program that I wish I had when I was in college or right after college, like saving other artists five years on their journey and getting their art out there and giving them that foundation of business and support and marketing Mm -hmm. that is really needed if you want to pursue your art as a business, but it's not really talked about or shared. So what are, what do you guys go through? Do you like video calls? Do you do, what's the structure? (laughs) Yeah. So we have weekly um, course modules where we'll be going over different content each month. So everything from website to marketing, social media, different technology platforms. So we have one recorded call every single week as well as live calls with members. So we can talk about that week's content, ask questions, and then also get to know each other. 
Um, and then we're also going to be bringing in industry experts. So other professional artists that we are friends with, as well as gallery owners, to really pick their brains on what's working for them and get that advice, that practical advice in real time of what's going on in the industry now, what's working for professional artists today, not what academia taught me five years ago when TikTok never existed or I wasn't even thinking about creating a newsletter. Mm -hmm. Like what art truly is working now because it's ever-changing. Is there anything kind of deep in the weeds you can share of like what, let's say the last few months or whatever you've been putting the membership program together? Mm -hmm. Is there one or two things that you would share someone else that maybe not be putting a membership, but maybe they're starting a new business or they're thinking of branching out of what they're doing. Anything you've learned is like, oof, make sure you look <laughs> out for this. Um, I think the biggest thing for Adriana and I, we were very fortunate to have each other to kind of balance each other's strengths. And we already had that foundation of keeping each other accountable for the full year as artists and friends. So we had that working relationship already. Um, so I would say if you're going to do it with someone else, make sure that that foundation is super solid because we have had to had super tough conversations about either money or direction of where the membership is going. But because we have that shared bond of we both have the same long term vision, those conversations would be a lot harder if you were butting heads. Um, but I think the other thing, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, like just get started with it because you don't know what you don't know. Um, you can plan and prep as much as possible and you can think hypotheticals, but really until you get in there, start your membership, hear what people want, what their reactions are. I feel like because you're so thick in the weeds of the content that you're going to be sharing or presenting to your members, because you're so thick in the weeds, you don't know what they're going to react to or what's surprising to them. So just getting started and then being agile enough to pivot. So not prepping too much and just going for it. Being open to explore. You yeah. don't know where it's going to go yet. Don't, right. don't pigeonhole yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Even like the simplest thing of, I mean, six months ago, I was planning on doing a Instagram marketing program. And so I had all of the PDFs made and layout of the six-week course and then I think it was two weeks ago, they sent an update now that they're not going to be a photo sharing platform anymore. It's going to be a commerce and video platform. Well, my whole program was based on it being a photo sharing platform. So that technology alone is ever changing. So, well, they're, they're, that's a whole other <laughs> rabbit hole. Of that's another conversation. Some, someone else owning the, the platform and, and you have to adhere to those, uh, right. those guidelines. Um, you know where I'm going to go. I don't have, I don't know where my, I don't, oh, there, look, see, I have one over here. Oh, man. You know where I'm going with this. You've Hello. listened to the episode. I got my post-it note. Yes. The post-it note. You got a post-it note. You got to go back to your, let's go back to the, the young Jackie in the art. You know, if you can imagine back then, I don't know, maybe you daydream back to those days. You're in the closet <laughs> there and, and you're, and you're doing your art. One piece of advice, maybe it's a quote, an insight, uh, an, an epiphany you've had in your 28 years that you would share with someone else that's kind of coming up in the game mm -hmm. to help them. Just just give them a little bit more perspective on 
the world and, and maybe where they can go with their journey. What would you share? Yeah, I think the two things that have really been navigating me the past year and a half and I'm hoping for a while are the biggest thing is getting away from the checklist of life and actively pursuing or actively building the future that you want. So making sure that you're not going through the motions and really pushing for what feels right to you and not listening to the rest of the world is the biggest thing. Dude, was there another thing? You said Sorry, the checklist said, said, and then actively oh, pursuing. Oh, the checklist and then actively. I forgot this is a podcast. You can't see my hands. Sorry. <laughs> um, do you think with the checklist, would, would you say that's more like I have to have these, th- almost like trying to force yourself into a, a box versus just kind of let things be more organic? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, and I think that's definitely been a push or pull for me, which it's almost hard giving myself that advice, but it's the advice I know that I would have benefited from back then. It would have saved me 10 years of having to realize it. (laughs) Um, Of Yeah, really being the person that you think society needs you to be or insert X person needs you to be or expects you to be and really making sure it's that's who you want to be. Um, so another piece of advice that I found really helpful when I was pursuing my art career was one of my professors told me, if you're going to climb the ladder, make sure it's leaned up against the right wall. So you can have work ethic all you want and put your head down and run towards whichever goal you want, but make sure that you're going to the wall that you want to be climbing. And I think that's a habit that I was very guilty of okay, I'm just going to pride myself on good work ethic and not really questioning the direction I was going in. It's really profound. It's helpful. And I think it's a really good visual of yeah, like, I like, no, I like that a lot. Cause that gets you thinking like you could be putting all this working all this time and it's just not even for the right. You don't, you're not even knowing a purpose toward that. Right. You're just doing it for whatever reason. Yeah, and I think especially, like, with athletics growing up and, like, priding myself on that work ethic, then that can be a very dangerous place, yeah, if you're not putting it towards what you want to genuinely be doing. You get stuck in that going through the motions mindset, the checklist of life. That's good. We can go longer. I mean, we go fifty <laughs> minutes. That's pretty good. There you, you go. Know? I what, like how was your first podcast experience? You like this? It's going great. Yeah. Yeah. Where can everyone find you online? Connect. We give all the give all the deets. <laughs> all the details. As the kids say. Yeah. So my website is jacquelinesanders.com. and then I'm also on all social media, media platforms at J Sanders Studio. And, and you do have some great artwork. Thank seriously, you. seriously though, Thank it's like you. really cool with the shadows and. And a lot of like the, I would call it like structured lines, but then there's also some, you know, some abstract stuff. So it's really neat. Uh, Thank really you. really cool stuff. And, and you're at Art Space. If people are in the Raleigh-Durham area, yes. you're at Art Space downtown as well. Yep. I'm at Art Space on the second floor in Studio 220. And then every Tuesday, Adriana and I release an episode of the Art Studio Insights podcast. So if you want to know more about behind the scenes, the creative process, or you are a career-minded artist seeking advice then you can tune in every tuesday on all streaming platforms and youtube as well we'll link it up in the show notes jackie (laughs) sanders thank you for joining thank you so much it was an honor
Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, Grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day, you know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years. And it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, And I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. I'm happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, brianandraco.com, or connect with me, I'm at Brian Andreco, basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there, uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Mm-hmm.